I've had a weird transition over the entire pandemic to where, yeah, I'm still watching a ton of films, but I'm not watching quite as much television as I used to. And Elisa and I have gotten into this Twitch stream called Stream of Blood. They do a lot of role-playing games, well, vampire that stuff. That sounds delightful. <laughs> and I realized I over the last almost two years now, I have been collecting a ton of role-playing game books that I've yet to use and a ton <laughs> of board games that I've yet to play. Huh. Yeah. So when we're finally able to come together to record we need to like plan the whole day so we can actually play <laughs> some of these board games yeah i like it <laughs> i have had the mondo board game based on john carpenter's the thing since oh, it originally wow. came out and i've never been able to play it because you have to have i think it's five players four or five players oh, to wow. play the game and it's killing me that I've got all this stuff sitting in there and I haven't done anything about it and haven't had everyone over to play. But now that things are getting better, question mark, <laughs> we've got to plan a day. Yes. Yeah. Are there like five people in the movie? I've never seen the thing. Yeah, me neither. What? You've never seen John Carpenter's <laughs> How The can Thing? You? I haven't. I'm sorry. I know. Like everybody talks about You've it. You've had enough time. I have. <laughs> it's just not, you know, one that seems like something I'm going to want to just, you know, sit down and watch in an afternoon because I think it might yeah. be scary. I don't know. It seems Oh, scary. you have to. You have to see it. Yeah. Well, I guess then it's on my list. My name's Elisa Gonzalez, and I have seen The Thing. I'm Andrew Lindy, and I had seen John Carpenter's The Thing. I'm Bethany Brinton, and I've never seen The Thing. I'm Cheryl Jones, and I have never seen The Thing. And I'm Joe Myers, and oh, I've seen John Carpenter's The Thing. And this is It's On My List. Well, I was, I told Joe, I told Joe, I bet they didn't like this movie. <laughs> I know we'll get to that later, but I'm like, I can't see. I don't know. <laughs> it's a great I mean, movie. If you I love it this now, movie. we're getting to it now. I was going to say, I mean, we could just address it now if you want. Yeah, sure. Uh, I liked it. I did too. <gasps> what? <laughs> Still my <Yay>! friends. <laughs> I, I think it's actually shocking when I was reading into it that at the time it wasn't appreciated. No, it really bombed at the box yeah. office. Uh, that really shocks hmm. me. I, I yeah. don't know why, but it really does. <laughs> and, and normally I don't start here. Like I usually save this little bit of trivia for the end of episodes. Sometimes <laughs> if it's something I'm really interested in, I, but I have to start with box office here because it is yeah. kind of relevant to this film. So this came out on June 25th, 1982, the same day as Blade Runner. So oh. it kills me. It kills me that there's people out there that I had to have gone to the movie and just went, 
oh, I'm going to watch this Blade Runner movie. Walked out and went, oh, maybe I'll go see The Thing and got to see both films the same day. (laughs) But when this movie came out, there was another alien that was just Mm -hmm. crushing the box office. And that was E.T. I was going to say that's (laughs) E.T. So people were into the nice, cute, cuddly little guy and not so much into the vicious, morphing, squishy, squelching, the thing. This guy wasn't cute and cuddly? (laughs) So, yeah, for his opening... He was a puppy. (laughs) For a split second, then that puppy got way gross. Yeah. (laughs) This made $3.1 million opening weekend. It came in number eight behind Poltergeist. Wow. Annie. Poltergeist was still playing. Yeah. It had only been out for a month, actually. Uh, wow. Star Trek II, Wrath of Khan. Oh, yeah, I saw oh, that wow. one. Rocky three had been in the theater for five weeks. Firefox, which if any of you know what that is, then uh, yeah. kudos it's to you. It's a browser. Is there a helicopter in Firefox? Is uh, it like a military? No, if memory serves, like it's a... A, an experimental airplane that um, well, Clint Eastwood steals, I think. Oh, no. That's the one I that wouldn't one have is. Thought Clint Eastwood. I'm uh, it Blade up. Runner actually came in at number two with uh, $6.1 So it did almost wow. double what the thing did. And then, of course, E.T. reigned supreme for its third week at $13.7 So that's what it was Jeez. up against. There was a lot of really good stuff in the theater at that time. And I know... I didn't see the thing at the theater. I remember the poster quite a bit. It it shook me to my core. I was like, I don't know what that is, but I want to see it. But the only one of those, actually, the only two of all of those, or three, three of those movies that I saw in the theater, I saw E.T., Rocky Three, and Annie. So not even I went to see the thing. Yeah, interesting. Of course, I, I was only seven. Those, but yeah, <laughs> I was older than you, but I did not see the thing. Uh, no, yeah. I, I think I saw it when it came out on cable. I, was it edited at all for cable? I feel like it had of a bad one. No, no. I mean, it was like, no? what was it, on TV, select TV back then? Uh, they just yeah, ran okay. select TV, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I can't even remember the first time I watched the thing, but I know I watched it. Like, I know, I know that it was uh, part of something where I was like, oh, it was during a time when I um, was not into horror movies. I've since come all the way around. And You've seen the light. Now. But I still don't <laughs> like the uh, gross, gross squishiness. That's really. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ooh, no, I can't look at that. <laughs> I'm OK with I don't know. I was OK with this type of horror because the practical effects are just cool, obviously, and I'm yeah. sure we'll get into that more later. But, like, it wasn't, I don't know. I hate body <laughs> horror, but I hate it when it's, like, so realistic or, right. or so close to, like, like looking like, oh, that's an arm that's, like, coming apart or something that, that it could be happening to me. <laughs> right. This, I think, was, it was, because it was kind of, like, instantaneous, it was like it explodes. There's no like subtle change. There's no nothing crawling under the skin. There's nothing like that. And so I was okay with it. I was like, okay, just get over with. Just jump in the pool. Well, I had a note <laughs> that says dog scene. I don't like this. That was gnarly. <laughs> that was gnarly. Well, I had heard a lot of like, people don't. had walked out of the theater during that scene. They didn't, they couldn't handle yeah, that. It's rough. It's pretty wow. rough. It was just, and it's a dog. Yeah. Like, you know, if it's people, you're like, okay, oh, it's ridiculous. If you have people, you can handle it. Dogs, no way. 
Yeah, I don't like it when uh, I don't like it when horror goes to goes to the pets first. Yes. I don't know if any of you guys watched probably Joe. If anybody watched Midnight Mass, but I was yes. like, oh come on. Uh. Well, right <laughs> that now I know I don't want to watch me. it. So. That's why I don't know if the website still exists. But does the dog die? Does the dog yeah, die? Yeah, it does exist. I frequent that. I must say, yeah. <laughs> Is the dog okay? <laughs> So I have a big question for both Cheryl and Bethany because mm-hmm. I, I'm really actually really excited about this. This is your first time watching it, and it's during COVID, uh-huh. which adds a whole other layer of social commentary to this movie. That's right. Yeah. Like, how did did that enter your mind at all as you guys watched this? Like, no. <laughs> really? Oh man, it not did me. I, not. I don't know, not really. I mean, I think partly because we're, we're kind of so far along in it now and, you know, we can we can go outside a little bit more than we used to be able to. But um, I think I think because the movie does such a good job of setting up their particular situation mm-hmm. right at the beginning. And it's because it's not the like, oh, we see them arriving and then they hang out and then they start to like hate each other. And, and it's, it's not that kind of movie. It's like you're, you're in it. They've been there a while and they, they're not. Stir that they're not particularly like super good friends, but they're not like uh, super enemies with each other either. They're just like hanging out. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. It didn't feel like anybody was was kind of going stir crazy, except for when it was like mistrusty time. Right. Yeah. It was a lot of mistrust and not not as much. Like I know it was kind of trying to set up that there was some stir craziness, or like that's what they suspected of the Norwegians at first, you know, but. I didn't really get the full sense of that. Yeah, to me it was just, oh, there's something weird happening and so we can't trust each other. And it was more that, like you said, yeah. And now I have to ask you, Cheryl, specifically, Mm. do you see The Hateful Eight in a different light now that you've seen this? Because Uh, this was a huge influence on that, down to the music and everything. I hadn't, yeah, I hadn't thought about it at all, but now that you mention it, I can fully see that. And yeah, I was, when it started, oh no, before it started, I looked up, you know, who did, who, who wrote it, who did the music and stuff. And I, when I saw it was Daniel Marcona, I was like, what? <laughs> I didn't know he'd I done was, this. I didn't know he'd done it. And I was so happy to not yes. see music by John Carpenter flash across the screen. <laughs> well, Sorry, but, I but, don't like his music. But as, oh, really? As a, as it went I, on, I could definitely hear, oh, yeah, that's that's his music. And, yeah, mm-hmm. I definitely heard similarities to Hateful Eight in it. So when I was a to little me, kid, I, I yeah. was not aware Carpenter didn't do the music for this. I just missed that credit. I always thought this sounded so much like Carpenter. Mm-hmm. And you, you don't think it did, Bethany? No. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> to me, John Carpenter is, is Halloween, correct? Yes. He did. Yes. Yeah. Okay, thank you. To me... <laughs> And I and I I don't mean this in a particularly disparaging way, but so the his music works very well for whatever movie he's he's writing to, whatever he's making. Like it, the the score fits perfectly; it tells the story. But to me, it sounds like a guy who like just got a synth in the '80s and was like playing in his basement with it. And go, this sounds cool, and then he uses those two cool sounds for two hours. So all you hear is the same thing for two hours. <laughs> That's just my me personally. So I'm like, okay, all right, we get we get Morricone, thank God. Yeah, and I thought the score, like I the second note I made what made was. Jesus, the Morricone music creates the creep factor, like, which Spooky. I mean is what music is supposed to do. But 
Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh boy, yeah, the music's really adding a lot to this <laughs> and it works, you know? The other thing that blew my mind that I was completely unaware of until I started doing research for this episode, uh, this was not written by John Carpenter. It was actually written by Bill Lancaster, who yeah. also wrote The Bad News Bears. Oh, wow. What? I noted, I noted his oh, name, wow. but I didn't look him up. Yeah. Wow. Like, those are the, the, the two most opposite things I can think of. The thing and the Bad News Bears. Yeah. <laughs> now, it's, it's funny because I've never seen the Bad News Bears, but in what? what I, well, yeah. that's oh, on your list. Oh, that is going on your list. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the thing that I think I've heard about it is the way that, like, the kids interact and talk and, like, cuss or something, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I... And to me, that's what the thing kind of is. I feel like the characters in the thing are so, like, well represented. Their dialogue is kind of perfect. <laughs> like, they're, yeah. no one, no one is like, you know, as soon as, uh, you know, they, it, it's like, oh, there's an alien. There's nobody that's like, I don't think it's an alien. Everyone's like, okay, yeah. So we need to do, we need to get ready. Like, they yeah. see the alien. Yeah, there's go, no, there's no convincing, which yeah. I really appreciate. Yeah, they see well, the yeah, alien and they just, just go a, for it. <laughs> Or just a, there's just like one scene where they're first hearing this and they're like, do you believe this? You know, like the one guy is questioning, yeah, are you buying this? But you know, and then they're all like, oh, yeah. So, because <laughs> what else could this be? Uh, yeah. yeah. So and I, there's I not... think that that interaction between the characters really makes the movie for me. That they're all yeah. just yeah, they're very much speaking very like plainly exactly what that person would actually be thinking yes. and uh, reacting in very like realistic, like sometimes harsh and sometimes, you know, mean ways, but it's like, mm -hmm. yeah, they're in this really messed up situation and they're trying to figure it out. Yeah. Right. None of them was like the, the stereotype. I mean, this is mostly like teen horror stuff, but no, no, it, it wasn't like, Oh, you have your dumb person and then you have your smart hero. And then you have the, the guy who's like trying to impress other people. And then he dies. It was like, everybody was, <laughs> pretty much in it like in it for themselves but like thinking rationally as rationally as you can in that situation yeah 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 because typically I, I would think oh one person would see that it's an alien would tell everyone they wouldn't believe them they and then it would believe, start yeah. picking people off one by one and it really uh -huh. was like everyone showed up everyone saw what they saw and they were like all right let's cut this thing open and see what we're working with Oh, man, this thing. Uh, yeah, we're in trouble, guys. <laughs> well, and I mean, because they are uh, maybe not maybe not McCready, but I, I guess they're, they're all scientists at a research station. So you yeah. would assume that they would have they would some sort of uh, knowledge of the scientific yes. process. <laughs> yeah. I liked uh, I made note uh, when they go to that big sort of crater in the snow that. Well, one, I noted it that as the Millennium Falcon. Uh, that they found. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Like. And two, just the, you know, that that had to be a matte painting. Oh, it was a beautiful matte yeah, painting. It was really cool. Yeah. In two different angles, you know, two different shots. But I don't know. That just, and maybe that's part of working at the museum because we have some matte paintings in there from Batman and things. And, uh, yeah, paying attention to that. I'm like, oh, I wish we had these ones because they're really extra cool. I, and I think what's so interesting besides the characters writing wise is that when they go and investigate the Norwegian, you know, base, yes. there's a whole other 
movie there, but we as oh, the yeah. audience get to like experience it after. We're like, oh, then look at this guy's over here and this is over there and this wall is blown up. Like you kind right. of piece together yeah. in your mind like what could have happened here. And it's a you know, it's crazy that they never made a, a movie about that. Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm trying, never, to, I'm trying to get Joe to never made yes. a movie about uh, yeah. They, they did make a prequel. <laughs> was it that bad? It was well, all right. <laughs> <laughs> It came out 10 years ago. (laughs) I just didn't watch it because I wasn't interested. I thought this movie Mm. itself stood on its own, was perfect. It did not need a follow-up. It did not need a prequel. So I stayed away from it. And because we were going to record on this today, I decided Mm. to watch it. And I liked the performances. I think the actors are fantastic. The script is okay. But they did practical effects that they were going to enhance with CGI. And for whatever reason, the studio decided to just scrap that all together and go full CGI on most of it. They panicked. They did. They really did. And Mm -hmm. for being 10 years old, it looks like video games from 20, 30 years ago. It's really bad. And it's it's such a bummer uh, because Mary Elizabeth Winstead's the lead in that film. And I Mm -hmm. really like her. Uh, She was in 10 Cloverfield Lane, which is one of my favorite genre films. Oh, she's fantastic in that movie. Yeah, she's really good. And she's great in that. But everything surrounding it, I'm just like, man... And they even go into really great detail about what Andrew was saying, where, like, this wall's blown up and this is this way. Like, they recreated that Norwegian camp as best as they could. And they had to use the movie to do it. They didn't have any blueprints or anything left over from when the film happened. Um, But, man, it's just such a bummer to watch that CGI and be like, what could have been? And if it had been practical and it had looked fairly decent, then I would sit here and say, you know what? It was a pretty decent movie. But I'm just like, Mm -hmm. it just made me depressed watching it. Well, that's that's the thing with practical effects. Like if you do a good enough job, it really isn't going to age that poorly. I mean, aside from us noticing, yes, a matte painting and the fact that you can notice that it's practical, but like that's a good thing <laughs> yeah um, i mean rubatine yeah. just crushed his work on this and the poor guy seriously worked himself nearly to death like he oh, was geez. so sick he actually i think he had to be hospitalized or he at least went on bed rest for a couple weeks once he finished Yikes. filming this because they they really were in a, a like a freezer locker type thing filming this so it was cold constantly wow. and he was working non-stop Oh, man. Wow. I think I read that all of the interior was shot here in L.A., and they kept it at, like, 32 So you can degrees. get the breath, yeah. All the exteriors, yeah, all the exteriors were shot out on wow. location out there. So, like, those snowstorms and everything were real snowstorms. Everything outside was, you know, freezing, and that's, that's cool. yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine. They must have been I don't know if they're still planning it, but there was a website like outpost31.com or something like that that had a a fairly active message board. And next year in June, they had planned to go up to the exterior filming location areas 
and they were going to camp on the site where the movie was filmed and they were going to have a, a blow up screen oh, and actually wow. watch the thing there at <laughs> Outpost 31. But oh, I don't know Lord. if that's still on now or not. I need to look that up. Uh, at one yeah. point I did and they basically were like, okay, you have to fly into here and then get oh, a ride to here. God. And then it's oh, another four God. hours to this. And then you got to find your way to here and it's really hard. So if you're coming alone, maybe hook up with some other people oh, and come no. out with them. And I'm like, this, oh, maybe this I don't. Like a, this sounds like some sort of elaborate haunted house setup. Yeah. Like, they're like, one of you is infected and you're stranded here. Bye. I do want to, I would love to watch the, the documentary and it would just be called Watching the Thing. <laughs> I feel like you're going to end up like the fire festival or something. It's on my list. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Cheryl. You've heard me on It's On My List, but have you heard me on my long-running show, Movies Made Me? Every two weeks, I sit down with a guest who shares the five movies that made them who they are. We also go beyond movies to talk about three other things that influence them to be them. You'll hear from everyone from a coffee shop waitress to Clancy Brown as we delve into the movies that shaped our philosophies, careers, and lives. Hear it on mmmpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Hey, if you like what you're hearing and you want to hear more, like Bits from the Cutting Room Floor, be sure to subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash itsonmylistpod. Thank you. Hey folks, this is Joe Myers. When I'm not waxing poetic about classic and cult films that I should have watched ages ago, you can hear me talk all things horror on the podcast Macabre with my fellow co-hosts, Chris Duck and Jenny Duquette. Join us each week for horror-related news, movie and show reviews, film franchise focuses, director and actor spotlights, and much more. Podcast Macabre is available via our website, our Libsyn hosting site, iTunes, Google Play, iHeartRadio, and Spotify with new episodes available every Monday. You can find us at podcastmacabre.com and follow our social media accounts on Facebook and under at podcastmacabre on Twitter and Instagram. So, right, friends, please subscribe to, rate, and review the show. And remember, don't be afraid of the dark. Be afraid of what's in it. So while, while we're talking about movies related to John Carpenter's The Thing, I will reveal that I watched The Thing from Another World to prepare for this because I just thought, mm -hmm. well, let me see what, what else someone did with the material. And I'll tell you, they did something really different with that material. Oh, no. <laughs> it was not a, a shape-shifting <laughs> alien. It was a... It was basically a, a walking a eggplant. alien? Yeah. It was. At yep. one point, what? there's a character who does say, so, so that's like a walking carrot? <laughs> like, <laughs> what? Yeah, so it's the idea <laughs> that it could... They missed the point. Yeah, that it could grow and, and, and uh, you know, grow by just being buried in the dirt. Like, it would chop off oh, its hand and bury it like in the dirt a... and grow another one. <laughs> oh, okay. I legit love that movie, though, but it is nothing but people opening doors for an hour and whatever minutes. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> very much so. And it's very much like a movie of um, soldiers versus scientists. Oh. Ah. Um, whereas I feel like mm. John Carpenter's The Thing has like none of that. It is so uh, wild to me that, that this movie is just like a bunch of dudes just... Uh, <laughs> like kind of having a really messed up time <laughs> like they're just it's, it's just everyone's <laughs> having a, a really time. bad time <laughs> yes 
I was well, very surprised that uh, I did not immediately recognize Keith David. <gasps> oh, when yeah. he there was like two lines that he said, and I'm like, right. that's Keith David. He does have his <laughs> Keith David moment. His, I had that as well. Yes. I, I knew oh he yeah, was when, in the movie. it's the the way the way his cadence came in. I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> and he's fantastic yeah, as Childs. Oh yeah, yeah. When this whole cast is pretty impressive, like all the people who are yeah in it. Uh, also, Wilfred Brimley without a mustache. Who was only 48 at the time. I right. looked that up. Yeah, so <laughs> he doesn't look quite as much an old man as he did in other no. things. Although I think Cocoon wasn't that far after this. So a few years maybe. But uh, yeah, there's all kinds of people in it. So it's kind of neat to see all those people in 82, you know. I do love, though, that even when they kind of oppose each other and what they're wanting to do or trying to do, that I still don't think either one's wrong. Like when yes. they find McCready's like uniform kind of ripped yeah. through and he gets cut loose. Like, yeah, that's the decision you should make based off the information that you have. Yes. But then when he gets in and has, is like half frozen and he's holding the dynamite and he's like, I'll blow this whole place up i don't care right now I'm like yeah that's the right move for him too yeah, yeah. <laughs> i do i do like at one point he says he's about 75 percent sure he's human which is yeah. i think that's about as sure as you can be in that situation All right. i love kurt russell in this movie because it's oh, not it's not the over the top performance from like escape from new york which i still love him as snake plissken it's it's not the like boastful um oh god well i'm blanking on the film sky high (laughs) (laughs) big trouble in little china Sorry. holy god why can't i think of that yeah like he's not jack burton in this but at the same time he just oozes cool in this movie so much (laughs) some of it's that wardrobe you know you you can only wear some of that if you're super cool especially that hat he keeps putting on oh that hat was yeah the cowboy hat made no sense (laughs) i'm I'm sorry that's fun it's also fun that he starts by playing uh like chess on a computer Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like that is, you know, and it's such a like very quick moment, but it is very like the movie's way of saying like this guy can think ahead. This guy can think of things yeah. like he can think of plans. So but he doesn't always get it right. No. Right. So <laughs> and he might get a little mad when he doesn't. Yeah. If you lose, you, you pour your whiskey in it. If you can't beat the alien, you burn down the camp. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. The other actor I would love to highlight, though, is Donald Moffat, who plays Gary. He was amazing. Yeah. He is so good in yeah. this. And my favorite moment with him, and, and this is like the big scene that a lot of other movies ate. But when they're trying to figure out who is infected and who's not, and they've got some people tied up and others testing blood with a, a heated up copper wire. Uh-huh. When they find which one is and it's right next to Gary. And Donald Moffat just like for the whole time, the alien thing's freaking out and he's just trying to like get as far away as he can. But yet he never like screams or carries on until it's all done and they're still sitting around talking. And he's just like, if it's not any trouble, can you please untie? And he's like, just, I'm not going to scream it because I don't want Andrew to have to bleep it. But he's like, untie me from the chair. <laughs> like that little yes. moment he has where he just That's finally lets go line. of all his anger and frustration yes. is so great. Like, I have had enough. <laughs> That's my favorite scene in the whole movie. I mean, I love the whole movie, but I love that so much. 
Because that's what everyone's yes. thinking, you know? Mm-hmm. You, you can't. <laughs> that whole, yeah, that whole scene when the thing's, like, doing its thing and these two guys are tied up with it, basically. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. oh, man. <laughs> like, all you would want to do is <laughs> get me away from this. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's not that just the tense. music that sells it, and it does sell it, but the sound design for the the mm-hmm. noises the thing makes when they Ugh. set it on fire. Oh my good Squeeze. lord, so yes. good. Ugh, it's gross. A lot of it was really like, yeah, anytime you were really dealing up close with the thing, uh or autopsies or whatever, ugh, it was so gross. Like just, Oh, well when the when just, the ugh. the middle section it's opens and eats the Oh, the chest birds or whatever. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was sitting here going, oh, <laughs> like, no, no, no. And then, the head, cool. and then the head spider. Those are, two, those head. are the two moments where I can't. I just, I'm like, no, you I can't gotta be <laughs> kidding me. The, the head, I truly, like most practical effects, I'd like to like be like, okay, how do they do that? Like, do right. they puppeteer it from over here? The head, I was like, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know I how they did just, that. That was amazing. <laughs> See, I don't remember the first time I saw this movie. It was after Halloween, because I, I do recall my dad saying, this is from the guy who did Halloween. I want you to sit down and watch this with me. And he spent most of the movie watching my reaction. And the scene when Dr. Cooper puts the paddles through the chest and then the teeth clamp down. I just remember that blowing my mind as a kid. And then like later in life, finding out that they actually got an actor who did not have all of both arms. And they just made a life mask of Richard Dysart and put it on the actor. Oh, wow. hilarious. And I was like, oh, my God, that's just so cool. And then I was like, was that the best way to go about that? (laughs) It works for me. Like, well, we just got to find a guy with no arms. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, that. Because like today, you would just put him in some green sleeves and then. Yeah, you just chop him off. Yeah, how would you have done it otherwise then? Yeah. That's hilarious. And the the camera's right in his face when that happens. And and I never, ever second guess like, oh, that's not him. (laughs) <laughs> it's like, oh, how did they do have that? You ever, have you ever like freeze framed it to see if you can tell? I've not. I mean, if you watch it now, especially yeah. when you know, you can tell because it does have a huh. rubbery look imagine, to yeah. it. But yeah. when I was a kid, I wasn't looking at his face. I was looking at the yeah. arms yeah, missing. Yeah, you're looking yeah. at the yeah. arms. Yeah. And his face was kind of like blurred. But if you focus in on that, you, you can tell. But but between that happening, the the head just like stretching out and dropping off and growing arms <laughs> and all of that's just happening in in a fairly well lit area like I, I was so used as a kid mm. things being in darkness to hide it and they just had that just out in the open and you're just yeah i mean i had to be maybe 10 i guess when i saw <laughs> this and it really it made me actually want to get into special effects and get into the movies and i of course i have no motivation or drive so i never did that but it really between Frankenstein and some of the other things I saw as a kid, this was just like the cherry on top of that whole entire Sunday. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I can see that. Uh, so, do, Joe, were you? I I thought I heard you were referring to this as the chest burster scene, the the doc getting his arms cut off. I I do think a comparison to Alien is apt yes. for this entire movie. Oh yeah, yes, yes, yes it is. Uh, because, I mean, especially when you look at Alien as kind of like, uh, you know, 
an alien is slowly picking the people off by Mm -hmm. getting inside of them and blowing them up, you know, like that kind of thing. (laughs) In an enclosed space. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but this, you know, it, the details are different. I do uh, when I when I went in to watch John Carpenter's The Thing for this podcast. I sat down and I started watching, and I went, now, I don't remember how the alien works. I remember, you know, that it shapeshifts, mm. but I do I couldn't remember if there was a bunch of them, if it was one that split off into multiple ones, if it was just one the whole time and it kept escaping, uh, like the the physics of of the thing yeah really fascinated me on this watch and it's and it just yeah. kind of like it multiplies <laughs> yeah i was gonna say was it clear to you because because obviously they're trying to discover how it works and so when they figure out it was the dog they're like oh who was alone with the dog we need to keep an eye on him clark or whatever yeah. but did is it it's not a thing where it's like if it touches you it has to like it has to eat, eat you, you up and absorb yeah. you like yeah the, yeah Okay, I because I, I was trying to think that too. I'm like, are we is is some guy just gonna like, like walk down the wrong hallway and then come back two seconds later and and be it? it it's not it's not like a, not like COVID, <laughs> where they breathe on you. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then you're yeah. Uh, it's not like it's not like Alien where you you have to have yeah. an egg that you, you know, get inside of you and then eventually yeah. you it pops out of you. This is it is you. And yes, it yes. does. It it seems that's why they figure out the torn clothes thing, because mm-hmm. when it, it it eats, you know, like living matter, but not your clothes. Yeah. Yes. So. Well, and I, I just I really I really thought the part where they figured out that if they did touch that hot wire to blood. Yeah. Because each part of it is an entity, basically, and will try to, you know. It'll try to get away from that if you're damaging it and stuff. Yes. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting, really cool. Like, oh, okay, the, every piece of it will react. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That scene is really interesting, too, because you see it from underneath yeah. Kurt Russell's hand, which wasn't actually his hand, because I always wondered, you know, how do they get that effect to pop right. out of there like that? and. I I have no idea how they did it, but I I did read that that you know that was a prosthetic hand. Oh, I thought yeah. it was real. I thought he was actually holding it, but that it's that's so- that's I think what makes that scene so <laughs> jumpy scary. Yeah, it's like you you how expect, could that because like what he says, you think oh if it, it he's going to touch it and the blood like will move away from it. It's all I expected that happen. Yeah. and then all of a sudden this yeah thing literally pops up out of there and I was like whoa heck burst yeah. right out of it yeah <laughs> like oh no yeah yeah that's a great <laughs> that scene not what I expected <laughs> nor was yeah. it what they expected I think <laughs> and it's kind of interesting the way that the things that are with them are just really trying to lay low yeah. you know like it's not until the blood is hit that mm-hmm. that guy just stops talking and just starts vibrating like he just yeah yeah yeah, it's like that's the yeah. moment where it's the aliens like, okay, I don't have to pretend anymore. I can just start turning into something else now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then when you look at what's going on with um, what's the character name with with Blair, right? Yeah, Doctor. Yes, Wilford yeah. well, Brimley, right? Yeah. Yeah, we have no idea when he has been turned. Right. Uh, but he's like, when they get into his little lair, they find that he's dug a hole and he's building a spaceship. <laughs> like, right. It's like, like, oh, God. (laughs) He's really serious. (laughs) 
I I thought it was interesting when he when he was looking at the computer and figuring things out and had the thing that if this thing got out it would infect the world population within twenty seven thousand hours. Of course, I had to figure out that's a little over three years, but huh. uh, one thousand one hundred twenty five days. But yeah, to think about I, that. I right? imagine the last year is the worst. I imagine yeah. so. Yes, when, when you're you just know, it's mostly you, things. Yes. Yeah. That's when it turns into like The Walking Dead and, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're just trying to stay away from them. <laughs> but, you know, you can't. It, that's another thing I do love about this movie is it's not they're not trying to survive, per se, to kind of be the hero and carry on. Their main objective right. is stopping this thing from getting anywhere near civilization. Yes. yes. And it's all of yes. them. Like all of them are acting out of like self-preservation for humanity not just for themselves yeah which again is the scientist thing right so they they understand what they're dealing with and why you know that they need to sacrifice to keep it from infecting humanity yeah boy yeah no i my mind went off to a whole different uh today (laughs) if it were like in a city how many people would be like, no, just let the alien take its course. You know, <laughs> only a certain oh percentage <laughs> of us will be taken over. <laughs> it's fine. Right. Just I yeah. wouldn't know if you were a, a thing. Herd. Come on. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's I'm it's immune because I sad. eat horse paste, so it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> The thing doesn't like horse pace, so... <laughs> you can yes. kill it with bleach. <laughs> yes. Well, I, I think, I mean, if you injected bleach into the thing's veins, it would react badly, so... Uh, it, yeah, I, I think you might just multiply it, though, like... <laughs> I'm going to start stockpiling all of the flamethrowers. Yes. Yes. See, that's where the characters in the original have it easy. They just need a big old bottle of Roundup, and they could kill that alien, no problem. <laughs> They do just, I mean, the fire is like the thing, is the thing that kills the thing, you know, like yeah. that's, and it's because it, it, and it's having a setting that is cold, right? And then yes. it's like, yes. you have to make fire to kill it. Mm-hmm. It feels like a, that's a bigger challenge. Yes. Although I do love that they basically have flamethrowers at the ready. Yeah, that is interesting, isn't it? Yeah, what is the function? What of were they using those for? Yeah, thawing things that? out. That was my thought. Is they use yeah. it to de-ice, like Melting the, the ice. helicopters uh, and things like that? Maybe I don't know. Yeah. yeah, I suppose it was before they had the like chemicals to do that for like you know they do for planes and whatever they do. The now. green stuff. Yeah. Well, uh, I would like to say Kurt Russell's line near the end there, but I can't without it being bleeped. But I thought that was a really fun line. Oh, what go he, ahead and say he, it. I'll bleep it. All right. Yeah, f- you too. <laughs> yes. Yes, that's a classic one. I, I, I love the um, the line when they're when when they've just kind of understood the thing, and they they don't really know what it's after, and and I believe it's Kurt Russell who says it's weird and it's pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> oh yes. Uh, when it's in with the dogs. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that's like such a good. Like, like to the distillation point. of mm-hmm. what's going on in that moment. It's yes. not like we we don't need any mystical understanding. We don't need. I no. mean, the movie opens with showing us the spaceship crashing on Earth, which is like, right. I was shocked. Right. I was like, I don't remember this at all. That's that's wild, and yet 
it's the movie also just doesn't care about being like, oh, he came from Pluto, and that's why. Yes, right. we're here and, to do A, B, and C. Right. Yeah. It's, it's like just no. whatever it is. Yeah. yeah, we don't know. <laughs> it's weird and it's pissed off. <laughs> yes. So, so do you think either of them were the thing at the end? I do not believe I so. I don't. I don't think so either. Who and knows? yes. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. The one guy was gone for a while, and mm-hmm. I don't know. So See, I, I, I love that child's. I love a good downer ending. So I think they both were human, and they both froze to death. Well, oh, yeah. yeah, that's what I figure. Yeah, they had a but... nice warm fire though for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> I can definitely see. I I could probably name you at least ten things, like we were saying right now, that have taken influence from this for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was, it was it's it's a a strong influence, and in, I mean not only in horror but like drama and, and sci-fi and things like that for sure. Yeah. I do love that it's grown in cult status because it uh, it nearly derailed Carpenter's career. Really. It was that bad of a bomb. Huh. <sighs> So here's what I wrote. Here's what I wrote at the end. This was good. Wouldn't watch a bunch of times just because it's gross, but a good film. Glad I've finally <laughs> seen it and understand the references and images. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I, I went and looked because I, I couldn't remember what um, Carpenter did after this. And he did Christine. Oh, all right. And wow. The, it was like 82 was The Thing. 83 was Christine. 84 is Starman. And then oh, eighty six is movie. Big Trouble in Little China. So it's you know, he was he was working. I'm glad yeah. that it didn't derail him because this is a yes. this is a good movie. <laughs> Starman mm-hmm. is Starman is terrific. Yeah. And I haven't and I think yeah, we all know that Big Trouble in Little China is on my list, so uh, I do need to see that one. Yes, you do, because it is But I would like I would like to see it in a theater, though. I just think it would be mm. best that way. New uh, Beverly. It has to play at the New Beverly at some point. Yeah, really yeah I've missed some screenings of it that I've wanted to go to already. So, And I think jo- Joe will agree between this and Halloween. It is like no wonder that John Carpenter is thought of as, you know, one of the, the titans of horror filmmaking. Yeah. Like he, you know, he really got to, you know, and, and th- those two movies are so different. You know, yeah. and as much as like even, you know, he go- he goes back in- into he goes and does aliens again with Starman, but it's a different, completely different feeling <laughs> like it's. Yeah, it's really very different. <laughs> yeah. It's really interesting how how uh, he's able to kind of shift around in, in all of these genres and all of these ideas and have uh, have a lot of different like very good movies within him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he even yeah. does Aliens again with They Live, and that is oh, even more different than, <laughs> yeah. than what he yeah. did here. Still the paranoia, though. Of course. Oh, yeah. That's always big yeah. with him. Like, I, I really love Carpenter's worldview because it's very... Uh, <laughs> Trust <laughs> no one. <laughs> yeah, very my speed and shade of things. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Uh, so this, uh, for Bethy and Cheryl, who just now watched this, it's not the first of an official trilogy, but he does call it part of like his Apocalypse trilogy because he did a movie a little bit later called mm-hmm. Prince of Darkness mm-hmm. that came out in 87. And then he did a, 
a very underseen, brilliant horror movie called In the Mouth of Madness in 94. And mm-hmm. basically, all of them have the same sort of dreary, end-of-the-world type view. Mm-hmm. And they fit together very well. Out of the other two, I don't know if either one of you were like Prince of Darkness. It is a very acquired taste. But it was filmed <laughs> at this really cool-looking church downtown L.A. And every so often, they run screenings inside of it. And I, oh, oh my god! At some point, I want to go watch it. But in the yeah. mouth of madness is total Lovecraftian, elder gods oh. horror stuff, uh, mixed with uh, kind of a Stephen King aesthetic. And I really I've, adore that I, movie too. I've heard of that one, but I've never seen it. Of course. Yes, yeah, Sam Neill. So oh, good. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, if you if you did like this one, I, I would encourage seeking out more Carpenter that you might not have seen. Mm. Yeah, I'll go try Christine. <laughs> and actually, I actually, just... no, I, I I haven't seen um, uh, Escape from New York. Oh, hmm. shame on oh. me. Oh, that's I, fine. Well, I I don't <laughs> recall whether I've ever seen all of it or not. I saw Escape from L.A. <laughs> which we actually screened at the museum as well i don't know why but oh, cool. i think it was on a, the female composers uh oh. series but uh i might just stick with Starman, you know <laughs> that's another little, one that's so underseen and underappreciated <laughs> yes i i actually i'll stand up for the fog i think the fog's oh. really neat I got to go inside. Is that based on a Stephen King? No, no. This one's, uh, you're thinking The Mist. Is that The Mist? Yeah, you're thinking The Mist. I had that mistake as well until I finally saw The Fog. And I went, oh, this is cool. It's about like a seaside town with like kind of a a haunted past. And and, uh, there's a lot of different characters doing a lot of different things. It's it's kind of an interesting way of doing a horror movie like that. Yeah, it's really cool. Mm -hmm. Like Ghosts Who Knock. And they filmed it in Sierra Madre, and I got to go to the church that it was filmed at. We were supposed to just, I was doing like a horror tour that actually for Halloween filming locations, and that was one of our stops. And one of the priests was just like, hey, we don't have anything going on. Do you guys want to come inside and take pictures? And we're all like, do we? <laughs> so we went through, and when we were all done, one of the buses that were ahead of us we heard complaining that they went to take pictures, but I guess they run a daycare there as well. And the people working there saw them taking pictures while the kids were outside. And they're like, no, you have Ooh. to leave now. And wow. I'm like, oh, we got to go inside. <laughs> <laughs> they were so mad. Nice. <laughs> And I was only on that bus because everyone ran to the earlier buses. I was on, I think, the next to the last one. So uh, not running and procrastinating pays off. <laughs> that it does. No, I, I do need to see more horror, but I think, I think I'll just approach it kind of like I do Christmas movies, where it's like, it'd be weird to watch this in, like, March. So maybe, like, September, October, I'll, I'll, I'll dust off the, the horror shelf. Now's your time. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I know. You can join me in Hooptober and, and start watching horror movies mm. on the 15th of September every year. I mean, I never no. stop, but... <laughs> I was going to say... Uh, I've seen... I don't know, don't know if I can do that quite that much. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen so many movies the last not even month. It's ridiculous. 
<laughs> Joe, Joe I, I light up every time I see a new letterboxed entry from you. And it's just the most <laughs> yes. obscure, like, yes, indie the horror weirdest. movie that no one's ever heard of. And, like, yeah. and Joe's like, I liked it. I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. Sometimes I don't like it. But yeah, I... I'm still in the process of going through that. All of my Hooptober viewings this year are first time watches for me. So I'm limiting myself and I've, I'm still at 72 movies so far. And that's just for that. I've watched other things that didn't count for this. So that if you want to broaden your horror horizons, that's a good way to do it. I'm Elisa Gonzalez, and I can be found on Twitter at ThisElisa. I'm Andrew Lindy, and I do uh, other podcasts, one of which is called Nothing New, a remake podcast, where every month my co-host and I talk about films that are remakes uh, or have been remade. Oddly enough, the John Carpenter's The Thing is kind of a remake of The Thing from Another World, and we've never done an episode on that, so that could be interesting if I ever have to cover this again. Uh, but check that out benvnetwork.com slash nothing new and you can find me on twitter and instagram at podcaster andrew I'm Bethany Brinton I'm a musician and composer you can find me at all the things at Bethany Brinton and we are it's on my list and you can find us at all of our social pages at it's on my list pod you can also send us an email at it's on my list pod at gmail.com I am Cheryl Jones. You can find me across social media at Speedway CJ. You can listen to five years of Movies Made Me uh, everywhere you listen to podcasts. And come visit me at the Academy Museum of Motion Pictures. I will do that. (laughs) And I am Joe Myers. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at ThatJoeMyers. I also co-host a horror podcast called The Podcast Macabre. You can find us at podcastmacabre.com. Find our social media from there and listen to us wherever you enjoy your podcast. And uh, I have it on good authority that I might show up as a guest on Nothing New or Remake podcast really soon, you guys. Talking about a special um, movie. Don't listen to it while you're in the shower. That would be. (laughs) What could it be? (laughs) Nice. (laughs) And this has been It's on My List.